Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone. So glad that you've tuned in to Calvary Live, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. My name is Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley, and I'm so blessed to be with you, and I want to invite you to call in and ask questions. Maybe perhaps you got a question about the Bible, your Bible reading, or maybe you heard a teaching has prompted those questions. And usually what you will find that the question that you have, maybe a lot of people that are uh, listening today have the same question or something similar to that. And not only are we talking with you, but all the listeners who perhaps are, are thinking, yeah, I've always wondered about that, or I was thinking about that not long ago. So call in. We invite you to do that. Uh, maybe you got a question about Christian living, or maybe about uh, the season of Advent, uh, Jesus' first coming, or maybe you got a question about the second Advent when we know that he's going to come again as promised by the Scripture. So give me a call. You just heard the number, and I'm going to give it to you and repeat it throughout the program. It's 303-690-3000. That will work anywhere in the country because we have people that call from all over the United States. And so whether you're listening online, online listeners, you can call in or Grace FM listeners all along the Front Range in Colorado, uh, up into Wyoming, or on the East Coast, on Hope and Truth FM. We welcome you to call in and ask your questions, and also to be able to give your prayer requests, because I know people need prayer, especially this time of year. It can be very difficult. It can be very hard. And so we want to pray with you, pray for you, and uh, minister to you, to take you to the throne of grace in time of need as the Scripture says that we can do that. And uh, so uh, we're privileged to be able to minister to you in every way here on Calvary Live. So 303-690-3000 is the number to call. Grab one of those open lines right now. This is a good time for you uh, to call in. And I want to remind those on the East Coast that are listening on Truth and Hope FM that you will be a week delayed in today's program. You'll be actually hearing it next week. Uh, But if you call in, uh, they'll put you through, and we'll have a conversation, and then you can listen to it next week. So uh, give me a call. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. There's also a second means for you to be able to ask questions and to uh, give your prayer requests, and that's through a text line. We want you to be safe as you are texting, so 720-336-0897. And as I always encourage you, if you're a regular listener to Calvary Live, uh, that you put those numbers in your contacts, in your favorites, and then you can just pull it up and you can give us a call or text us a question or a prayer request, and we love to be able to do that. Um, I want to read to you as uh, we are fast approaching uh, Christmas, And um, I want to encourage you uh, at this season uh, because uh, this is a great time of the year for you to invite somebody to your church. Uh, I'm sure that uh, most churches are having Christmas Eve services to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, just as we are here 
at Calvary Greeley. We're going to have a 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock uh, Christmas Eve service on Monday the 24th, family services. So we invite you to come if you're in the Greeley area. Uh, but I want to encourage all of you that are listening, uh, wherever you're at, to pray about inviting somebody out to Christmas Eve services. More people are open to go at this time of year than any other time, this time in, uh, of the year in Easter as well. So you want to uh, just encourage them to come. And I want to read to you, I was thinking about this in Matthew chapter 2. It's a familiar uh, story that surrounds the birth of Jesus, uh, that uh, the wise man coming from the east. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them um, where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written. And then uh, Micah 5.2 is quoted. And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. He, of course, is saying that in deceit. So when they heard the king, they departed. Behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, and they departed and went to their own country another way. What really kind of intrigues me about that story, and, and we don't have time to go into it, but uh, here are these magi, these wise men, that are coming from the east, probably from the area of Babylon, probably learning uh, about um, the coming Messiah from Daniel's prophecies in Daniel chapter 9. But they come through the desert hundreds of miles where it's difficult and hard, and and they come uh, looking to worship the king of the Jews, and that's what they do. They followed his star. But what is interesting to me is when Herod the Great summons the religious leaders, they're only about 10 miles away from Bethlehem. Where's the 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 you know Christ child to be born? Well, he's to be born in Bethlehem. That's what the prophecies say. But there's no indication that those uh, religious leaders there in Jerusalem ever went to Bethlehem to check it out, to check out to see if this is true, if the, if the Messiah has been born. There's no indication of that, and that intrigues me. And what I hope and pray for all of us is that we would make the time really to to go and worship the Lord on Christmas Eve. We get so busy with shopping and uh, wrapping and baking, and I know that's just part of the season, and we all have that, but may we take time to come and worship him and um, and just be marveling at the incredible story how Jesus came to this world. So I hope that's an encouragement. Invite somebody out. Pray about who you might invite, somebody at work or somebody uh, in your family that hasn't been to church for a while or or whoever the, it may be, and, um, and we just pray that God's going to work at this season of Christmas, giving them good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people that is born unto you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Well, give us a call, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Ken in Aurora. Ken? 
Fantastic. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I was calling to ask you um, if it is a sin for a spouse not to trust the other spouse. Well, that's kind of a, a broad question, um, and I, I don't think we can just whitewash it and say, yeah, it's a sin. Here, here's the thing. Trust is very important. We know this, first of all, yeah. in marriage, right? It, mm-hmm. it has to be established, but sometimes that trust is broken. Um, that trust mm-hmm. can be broken if there's um, you know, immorality involved or sin that's involved uh, in the case of one of the spouses, and that trust has to be rebuilt. That trust has to be there. Um, trust can be broken if it's a continual, you know, uh, sinning of lying or or deceit or whatever the case may be, hiding things. So that's mm-hmm. when trust can be broken, and yeah. so trust needs to be built up. So it, you know, it depends on it. One of the things that um, we see in the scriptures that it talks about the roles and responsibilities of husbands and wives is husbands to love their wives as Christ loves the church. That means serving her, uh, loving her unconditionally, um, you know, cherishing her. It's, it's how Christ loves us, willing to lay down your life for her. And then for the woman, what is interesting is that the woman is told to respect her husband. And that's the command that is given. And I think trust goes along with that respect because it's awfully hard to to respect somebody when you don't trust them. But it really got to emphasize, Ken, and I emphasize this to guys, that it really you know, begins with us of loving our wives the way that Christ loves us. And, and that is a lifelong work. It's a supernatural work that God does. And then living with them, as Peter's epistle says, in an understanding way. In other words, the things that are important to her need to be important to you. And that's how that trust can be established and the respect can be established. Okay. Does that help? All right. Yeah, yes, it does. You know, that trust is so important. And, um, and so we got to, you know, for me— um, you know, that, that love that I have for my wife, I trust her and treat, trust me, but it's been almost 30 years, uh, a building of that respect and love for one another. And that's got to be in the marriage for the trust to be there. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Pastor. You bet, Ken. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. God bless you too. Bye. Uh-huh. The number to call is 303-690-3000. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figgs. And trust is very much an important in a marriage. And, and that love and respect is, the, you know, the very foundation of bringing that trust into a marriage and being honest with each other. And uh, so we pray that uh, that's a part of our marriages um, that God desires for us to have. Um, let me give you that text number again, 720-336-0897. When somebody does call in and hangs up, that means there's an open line. So grab one of those open lines. We've got plenty of time in the show uh, to answer your questions or pray with you. But let's go to Ken in Aurora. Ken? Hey, Pastor Jeff. How are you? Oh, pretty good. How are you, sir? I am good. Thank you for asking. Well, I called in today... Um, just to um, to ask two questions and also to ask for a bit of prayer um, for mine and my wife's. Um, uh, both our, our sets of parents are down in Florida, and uh, 
are experiencing some health difficulties, so I'd like to yeah. ask for some sure. prayer for that, and uh, and also um, just for our family in general. But uh, I had two questions, uh, Bible questions, and I'm not sure exactly where the references are, but in the New Testament there is an instruction given to men um, to when they're praying to not have a covering on their head and for women to have a cover on their head, I think is the way that it goes. And um, right. I, I didn't really understand that. And uh, then there was a second question is that there was also an instruction that uh, says that uh, women are to remain quiet in the church or, or something along those lines. And I was yes. just uh, wanted some clarity on that. Maybe you could shed some light and, and, uh, and show me maybe what, what that really actually means. Right. Well, you can write down 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's the first reference concerning head coverings. And then the second reference about women speaking in, in church is in 1 Timothy, and that is in chapter uh, 2. Both of those um, sections are dealing with headship in the church. It's speaking about authority. That's really what the, the theme is about. So Paul, as he, he talks about um, head coverings, there's somewhat of a cultural thing that was going on, um, but he's talking about uh, headship and authority in that. He says, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Um, and he goes on and he says, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with their head uncovered dishonors her head, and that is one and the same if her heads were shaved. In other words, there was, there was um, you know, um, a sign of authority is the head covering is what it was. And those who were praying or prophesying with their heads uncovered were kind of bucking that authority. And we see that in the Scriptures, God has divinely ordained, even though culture completely comes against this. But God has ordained that there be headship in the family and in the church. And his desire is what we see is that the men be the leaders in the church. We see that with the appointment of elders, uh, the husband of one wife, um, the leaders of the church. And what he is saying, it's already been declared in the New Testament that women can prophesy. We see that in this epistle that Paul writes, that women are allowed to prophesy, to pray. We know that uh, Philip, uh, in the book of Acts, had four daughters who were prophetess, and they are spoken in a positive way. But what he is saying is, listen, there is authority and there is headship. And he says, the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, that does not mean that the man is better than the woman. It does not mean that the God loves the man more than the woman, or that you know the woman is inferior to the man, or inferior to you know um, her husband. Um, it doesn't mean that, and that the man is superior. How do we know that? We know that from the very first uh, verse three of First Corinthians eleven. I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So let me ask you this, that when it tells us that the head of Christ is God, does that mean that the Father is superior to Jesus? No, it I doesn't. I don't think so. No, it doesn't. 
Philippians chapter 2, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But Jesus submitted himself to God, allowed himself to be a man, not just, you know, any man, but a bondservant, was obedient to the death on the cross. So Christ's obedience, or his submission, that is, is in obedience, in humility. And that's the way our, you know, the the woman's submission should be to her husband. She is to be submissive to her husbands, as Ephesians chapter 5 says, not to somebody else's husband, but to her own husband. And that is uh, in a position of humility and in obedience to what God has said. And he says, listen, I have ordained this, um, that this is the order that I've set, that the man is to be the leader of the house. And again, being the leader, what that means for you and me, Ken, you know, as leaders in our home, is that, as I just mentioned to Ken, who called earlier, that we are to love our wives as Christ loves the church, and that means that um, we are to love them unconditionally, serve them, cherish them, live with them in an understanding way. We are to love them in a way that Christ loves us, and it's a joy to submit to Christ, isn't it? It should be. And, Absolutely. Yeah, and and it should be a joy for our wives to submit to their husbands as they are leading in the way that they are called to do. It doesn't mean we're all dictatorial and we walk around our ha- house as King Tut and demanding and all of this. We're to live with them in an understanding way, cherish them, and God takes that so serious that he says in 1 Peter chapter 3 um, that if— a man is not living with his wife in an understanding way that his prayers are going to be hindered. So we have a huge responsibility when it comes to leadership in our families and when it comes to our wives and in our homes. And then, of course, children are submit to their parents. And then also in the church, when Paul's talking about let a woman learn in silence with all submission, I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over man, but to be silence. And when Adam was formed first and Eve, Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. And and so he's talking about in the church, because Paul is writing to Timothy about order in the church, um, leadership in the church, that the men are to be the leaders in the church, I believe is what it's saying. Now, when he says that the women are to be silent with all submission, it is just talking about that the men are to step forward. You know, we have... It doesn't mean that women can't teach at all in the church. It doesn't mean that there are some who take this and say that women shouldn't teach anything. We have women that teach here. They teach children's ministry. We have women that have taught youth. Uh, we do. We have women that teach lady studies. And I'll tell you what, the ladies that teach in this fellowship, the depth of maturity and knowing the scriptures is absolutely amazing. Um, and they are good teachers. But when it comes to the congregation, is that we see in Scripture, and he goes on and he picks up on this, that a bishop you know, must be the husband of one wife, um, and that is the leader that the Lord desires for the men to be leading. And you know, we hear a lot about gender identity and all of this. Gender does matter to God. And the men are to step forward to lead, lead in their homes and lead in the church. And Ken, I'll say this, I really believe that the great need in the church today is men to step forward and, and lead. Because there is, you know, I can say honestly, 
my wife Sue, some of the, the ladies that, that are in, you know on staff that oversee nursery, children's ministry, they are very, very capable. And, um, but they haven't been called to lead the church in the position that I've been called to. And it doesn't mean they're inferior. It doesn't mean that I'm superior than them. What it means for me as the senior pastor is I'm to be the servant of all. And um, and the, it's talking about roles and responsibilities in order that God has put into the home and into the family. Well, thank that- you very much for going through all that. That, that explains a lot. And I've even heard uh, the scriptures out of 1 Corinthians 11 um, misinterpreted to the point that we're talking about now hats and physical coverings instead of a spiritual covering. So there's just a tremendous amount of clarity in what you said, Pastor Jeff. Thank you so much. And uh, I do uh, I do really appreciate that. I hope it helps uh, some other people, too. Yeah, and it, it matters to the Lord. And, and, you know, again, I think there's a proper biblical perspective that we need to have all around. So we we couldn't do the ministry that we do without the women. And um, But I had a case where somebody came along and said, women shouldn't be doing anything and shouldn't be teaching children's ministry. And, you know, Titus tells the older women to admonish the younger women. And I'm not going to be teaching the younger women, you know, and, and um, it's going to be in the pulpit I am. But when it comes to one-on-one counseling, all of, the, of those things, when it comes to lady studies, we have the lady do do that. The ladies are very capable of doing that. They are a blessing. So, but yeah. So I think a proper perspective of what the scriptures is saying. Well, that follows right along with what I felt, you know, in my spirit about it myself, and just trying to interpret that. And um, I also know that you know, as as leaders, as men, as as husbands, pastors, and and leaders in any way, that you know, if we're if we're leading in in, in God's way scripturally and and in obedience to him then that submission is is a lot easier to uh come by if you would yeah. but uh yeah when a, when a man is, is acting as a godly man and a godly leader then those things don't seem to be much of an issue but yeah um, and yeah know, thank you thank know, you so much that's just great you bet we all submit you know ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 submitting to one another in the fear of god and then this is how you submit husbands, wives, right. this is right. your roles and stuff. So and we it's not just wives that submit. It's it's men submit first to, to God, and, and then you have the following of the order there. That seems to be yep. exactly correct. Yep. Hey, can can we pray for, for your parents? Oh, absolutely, and uh, for my family in general as well. Father, I thank you for Ken, and it's a very important question it's, that he asked, and it's controversial in the Church today. And we know that you desire to use women, and um, they are used. But, Lord, there is uh, a divine order and uh, headship that you've set up in the church and in the home, and uh, it means great responsibility. So, Lord, I do pray for Ken, uh, for his family in general. I pray that um, you would bless them this Christmas, that um, you would show yourself strong on their behalf, draw them all to you. And I pray for his parents that um, as they get older, failing health, in Florida, that's hard to be away from your parents when that's happening. But, Lord, I just pray that you would bless them, 
with your incredible grace and comfort, strengthen them for this Christmas season. And Lord, just be with Kim and his family. And Lord, that they would understand this, that Emmanuel, God is with us. God is with them, with the parents. Um, and Lord, just um, we commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Jeff. God bless you and your ministry, and keep up Thank the great you, work. I sure appreciate all your help. You bet. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate right. it. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. 303-690-3000. This is Calvary Live. Pastor Jeff Figs. Let's go to Scott in Fort Collins. Scott? Hello. How are you, Scott? Doing all right. How about you? Good. You're on Calvary Live. Hi. Yeah, I just... Um... I wanted to send out a, a prayer request. Yes, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to, for us all to pray for those who are hurting or, or struggling and just for them to know that they're they're not alone and that there are people that um, care for them. Yeah, and I think that's a good prayer, Scott. You know, it reminds me, and I've been thinking about this in the, the Christmas message, uh, Scott, is that you know, it's such a wonderful, wonderful, um, you know, message um, that Christ came 2,000 years ago for us. But the Lord's kept taking me back to Matthew chapter 1. And, you know, Scott, he, he said to Joseph, who was scared, that don't be afraid, Joseph, that which is conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. And she's going to bring forth the Son and call his name Jesus. And he shall save his people from their sins, that it might be fulfilled by the prophet, and that is the prophet Isaiah, that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, and as I think about it, it's more than God is for us, but God is with us. And we don't have to be afraid because God is with us. And you know, that was the very first message to Mary when the angel Gabriel came and told her she'd be carrying the Christ child. Don't be afraid, Mary. And the very first message to those shepherds out in the field, <clears throat> don't be afraid. And people were afraid, and they were struggling, just as people today are struggling, and they're hurting, and they're afraid. And we want to encourage them that Jesus Christ came to this world for you, because he loves you, and he died for you, and Emmanuel, God is with us. So, Lord, I thank you for Scott's uh, prayer request. Um, we just pray for those who are struggling and hurting, especially this time of year. People who have gone through loss. Maybe the one who, who is praying, may my prodigal child come home, that you would do a supernatural work, that they would come home ready to, to, to come back to Christ. Maybe, maybe the one who's hurting financially or just struggling with um, addiction, those who are hurting uh, because of strained and severed relationships, whatever the case may be, that, Lord, did they would know that Emmanuel, God, with us. And, Lord, that you give us hope and that you would bless them and that you would comfort them and you would work in their lives this Christmas season, that they may perceive your presence and your love in a very real way. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You bet, Scott. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> you bet. 303-690-3000 is the number to call, so give us a call. And uh, for prayer requests and your questions, let me give you that text number again, 
720-336-0897. So you can text in a question or a prayer request. And again, I think that just reiterates uh, why we um, need to be praying about who we can invite out to, to Christmas Eve services. Um, we can invite anybody out at any Sunday or any week, but I think this is a special time of the year to do that, um, to, to just receive the message that God is with us and he loved us. Um, I think when those angels looked down into that manger and saw the face of God in, in that Christ child, um, they absolutely marveled. Of course, they would break out in praise, wouldn't they? And, and they're they're praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace and goodwill towards men. And, and they must have absolutely just marveled, thinking, oh, why didn't God just destroy this world? But he didn't. He sent his son. So, hey, we're going to be right back. You heard the music. Uh, and we'll get back to the phone lines. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. So blessed to be with you. I am Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado. So blessed to be with you today. And so give us a call at 303 303- 690-3000 to be on the air and ask your questions and give your prayer requests. The text number to be able to text in a question or a prayer request is 720-336-0897. I also want to, I just got a minute, we'll go back to our phone lines, is I want to, as I've been saying, encourage you uh, to invite somebody out to, to your church uh, where you worship to Christmas Eve services and uh, and. Uh, look for those times. Hope you and your family can take the time to go out and worship and uh, and as we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're having two service times on Monday the 24th at 4 and 6 p.m., family services, uh, candlelight services. But also a week later on the 31st, New Year's Eve, we're having our annual prophecy update that I do. This year I'm doing a message called The Days of Sephaniah. And Sephaniah was ministering during a very unique time right before uh, the house of Judah would go off into captivity, during the time Josiah was king, the last of the good kings, and there was reforms that took place um, and um, some neat things that happened, but he had a message uh, for them that was very important. And um, I think we can learn from Sephaniah. Uh, the days that we're in, we're to be looking for the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be also introducing the book of Revelation. So on New Year's Eve, the days of Sephaniah, we'll talk about as I introduce the book of Revelation. And then starting on Wednesday, the 9th of January, because we're not going to have service on the 2nd of January that Wednesday, but on the 9th, we will be going through the book of Revelation chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So if you've never done a study in the book of Revelation and you're up in our area of Greeley, Northern Colorado, come out, and I know you'll be tremendously blessed. It's a book that is oftentimes ignored in the church uh, today, 
uh, but uh, it is written for us, and there's a special blessing that is attached to hearing the words of this book, knowing them, reading them, and I know that we'll be blessed as we go through the apocalypse, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So hope you can join us for that. Check out our website, calvarychapelgreeley.com, for further information, directions, and all that information that we have for you on the website. Well, Kathy has been waiting very patiently, and Kathy, you're on Calvary Live. Hi. How are you? Go ahead. uh, She believes that homosexuals are born that way. How would I respond to that? Well, you know, how I respond to that is... Um, Because we were looking at this and talking a little bit about it in Romans, um, that Romans comes along, right, Kathy, and gives us the theme of the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul writes, for it's the power of God for salvation for all who believe. And there's power in the gospel. There's power for salvation, and there's power to change a person's life. And then in verse 18 of chapter 1, Paul begins to indict mankind. He's not making this up. He's inspired by God to write it, and he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So he goes on and he starts talking about the the immoral person. Um, he talks about, you know, um, the one who gives themselves up to uncleanness, the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. And in that chapter, he talks about homosexuality, doesn't he? And um, and then he uh, talks about, you know, not only immorality, spiritual depravity, all these things. Then in chapter 2, he goes in and he talks about the person who's a self-righteous individual who thinks that they're righteous before God. He says, you too, you are guilty because you don't stand up and you don't measure up to the law. We all break the law. He goes on and then he explains that in chapter 3, as he sums it all up, that all the world has become guilty before God. Now in chapter 5, Paul goes on as he begins, um, after he talks about justification comes freely by uh, his grace uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. So he gives the doctrine of of justification, and and he tells us that we're saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. In chapter 5, he says that sin and death entered into the world because of Adam. Adam was our federal head, our headship. We're all born with a sin nature. So this is what I tell people. People can say, oh, I was born a homosexual, or I was born with the propensity to steal or to drink or to, you know, do drugs or to lie or whatever. My answer is we're all born sinners. We're all born sinners. And that's why we need Jesus Christ. Because he came to free us from the penalty of sin, and he came to free us from the power of sin. And chapters 6 through 8 of the book of Romans is that that we're no longer enslaved to sin. And that we identify with Christ, and we need to make a choice whether we're going to serve sin or serve our master, Jesus Christ. And we have the Holy Spirit, chapter 8, is kind of the thrust of it, kind of the the golden chapter of Romans that says that we have the Holy Spirit, because Paul talks about the struggle in chapter 7, right? He says, I struggle, and and we can struggle in the flesh, whatever propensity that we have. We can say that you were born that way, but here's the deal. We're all born sinners. So we tell people 
That's why we need Jesus, and and that's why we need to be saved. It's because sin has brought death. It has brought us guilty before God, and Christ has come along. There's power in the gospel. So hopefully that helps, and I think that's a simple way to just respond to somebody um, rather than getting into all the arguments and you know all the studies and everything else. And and when somebody hears, yeah, you know, we are born sinners. Um, I don't think I've met anybody who said uh, I haven't sinned. Um, you know, um, but that's something that I think that we can agree on is that we're all born sinners, and then that's why we need the gospel. We have need of it. So I don't know if that helps. It does a little bit, but um, <laughs> I know that there's some people are struggling with the tendencies and everything else and trying to hold on to their faith. So I know, you know, what do you, I mean, I know that it's very hard for those people. It so is. It is. You, you it, it is very hard. It's hard for some people, you know, with addictions. It's hard for some people with lust. It's some people... You know, it's a struggle. We still battle with the flesh, and that's why we need Christ, and that's why we need to surrender to Christ, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you very much. You bet, Kathy. And can you just pray for my whole family? Um, Absolutely. A lot of them got a lot of things going on, and I just really would appreciate it. Father, I pray for Kathy and her family. You know what's going on. I thank you for a question because it's a question that a lot of people have. And I do know this, that you're the answer and that you sent your son to come to this world to save us sinners. And Lord, whether we, whatever it is that we struggle with, that we know that you came to free us from the penalty of sin, but also to break the power of sin in our lives. And, Lord, we do struggle with the flesh. And I just pray for Kathy, whatever their family's going through, a lot going on, you know what it is, that you be with them, that you would help them, that they would look to you, because you come with the message of it, you know, freedom. We can be free from all of that and live a life for you, Lord. So I pray that for Kathy and her family. Do you bless them this Christmas and as they go into the new year? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. You are welcome very much. I appreciate you calling, Kathy. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. Love to talk to you about the things of the Lord. We're going to continue with the phone calls. Let's go to Rachel in Greeley. Rachel? Hello. Hi. How are you, Rachel? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for calling Calvary Live. I have my 11-year-old daughter with me. It was actually mm-hmm. her idea to call. Um, oh, she, great, super. Yeah, she loves Jesus, and I have no question about her faith. She's an amazing believer and just an amazing girl. And um, recently she got into the Harry Potter books, and right. she's had some discouragement and people telling her that that was wrong and also even maybe um, against God. And, um, you know, she's, she just finds them entertaining, and she's kind of into them right now. So that kind of hurt her feelings, brought up a lot of questions. So um, we wanted to call you and ask. Yeah, and, you know, that's a good question. And I remember um, it was, well, Harry Potter's been around for a while, and mm-hmm. I remember the, the, the um, it was 
huge about 10 years ago. And all the kids were reading Harry Potter. Um, and here's the thing, that some believe that Harry Potter is little more than harmless fun and fantasy. Um, others fear that the books, you know, and the movies are an invitation to the occult. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing. Um, the thing is, you are doing this, I can tell, is that you need to talk to, you know, your your child about that, your daughter about it, you know, mm-hmm. because she enjoys the books. It's kind of like, do you watch The Wizard of Oz? I mean, everybody's watched The Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah. And you got Dorothy, you got, you know, flying monkeys, you got witches, you got the Oz, all these things. I've seen the movie a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And um, so it didn't cause me to go into the occult. It didn't cause me to, um, you know, uh, you know, turn to Wicca or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so I think that discussion and realizing it um, is, you know, we want to be able to um, understand that, you know, the Bible does speak against magic and, you know, the occultic kinds of things. And I understand that. And then I think as you go to scriptures, you got to pray because we do have liberty in Christ, don't we? And whether this is good, whether there's some better alternatives that your daughter would like and um, to read that would be more uplifting. I think a very important verse that I'm thinking about, and I would encourage you guys to pray through this, is in Philippians chapter 4, and I'm, I'm pulling it up here. And this is something that we taught our kids um, is this, that Paul writes that finally, brethren, whatever things are true and whatever things are noble, whatever things are just and whatever things are pure and whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So here's what Paul's saying. This is what you should meditate on. This is what you should be taking in, those things that are true, those things that are noble and just, pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report. And for you and your daughter to pray through this and really talk about it, all those Harry Potter books, are, do they fill into the guidelines of what is being told to us? And again, some see it as you know harmless fun, just fantasy. It's just a movie you know, that I enjoy watching. Or we know that some people are affected by it, and it can move them into the occult. Matter of fact, when Harry Potter uh, was first um, on the scene, uh, I was in New York City. I was in New York City after 9-11, right after the Twin uh, Towers fell, and I was there serving at at Ground Zero, and Harry Potter was huge. And Mm -hmm. um, at that time, um, and that's, you know, 18 years ago, 17 years ago, that Wicca was becoming the fastest growing religion among young ladies. So, and they attributed that to Harry Potter and and all that, um, that was very popular. So it does have a negative effect. So have that discussion, talk about these verses, you know, um, really pray about, does the Lord, would he have us to do it? And in the liberty, then this is a verse that I taught my kids, um, it was a verse that, you know, whatever things are noble and true. So when that friends, you know, want to go to a movie 
we didn't have this argument. We didn't have this big discussion because we always filter it through this, uh, of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Um, is it noble? Is it good? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it of good report? And um, and that's something that you got to have a peace about, and it's something that, you know, the Lord is, you know, saying it's okay or not okay. And to some people, it's not okay. But uh, to go through Scripture and realize that the occultic kinds of things and stuff, you know, um, the Christians are told to stay away from. So I know I'm kind of, you know, here's the thing um, that I, I try to do with people. I want you guys to seek the Lord, all right? Okay. And, uh, you know, Rachel, I I never want somebody to say, okay, Pastor Jeff said it's, you know, uh, to do this or do that. I want you to search the Scriptures and to say this is what the Lord wants us to do. So there's some scripture, there's some guidelines, you know, um, you know, talk about it, communicate with it. And uh, you said that your daughter loves the Lord. And um, yeah, and that's so great. Um, and um, just keep keep in touch with her, keep that communication. And um, you don't want her to become desensitized to the occult lifestyles or any of those kinds of things. And with anything that we watch, because we do become desensitized in watching certain things or reading certain things. And uh, we want to read those things that are good and uplifting. All right? Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. You've given us a lot to think about and talk about and read about. Yeah, Um, yeah. Thank you for uh, everyone at Grace. We love to listen to you and all your programs, and it's just such a help and so uplifting. Well, I appreciate the encouragement. It's it's a real blessing. It's it's uh, you know just a privilege for me to be on Calvary Live and and to be on Grace FM and and um, I'm so glad that God's using it to the, the glory be to Him. So keep listening, keep being tuned in, and um, and I know that God's going to keep growing all of us as we just keep close to Him in His Word. Yes, thank you. You bet. 303-690-3000. Hey, let's go to Sue in Pennsylvania. Sue? Sue, are you there? I don't know if we have Sue. She's been waiting for a little bit. But, hey, Sue, you're asking for prayer for marriage, so let's go ahead and do that. And sorry we lost you, uh, but we are going to pray. Father, I pray for Sue in Pennsylvania. And uh, she called in. I thank you for those calling in on the East Coast. And I pray for her marriage. You know who she is, all that's going on in her marriage. And I pray that you bring healing, restoration, strength, um, building their love, whatever the challenges may be, that you would help them and know that you desire to to do a work because uh, marriage is your holy institution that we enter into. Um, and Lord, I just pray that you would um, just work in a in a mighty way, whatever the situation or problem or challenges may be. Uh, with Sue and her spouse, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, let's go to line one to Dalton in Fort Collins. Dalton? Yes. You're on Calvary Live. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Not bad. Um, I called yesterday and talked to Nick Katie about the same question I'm going to ask you. Um, unfortunately, my phone broke up, so I didn't really get to hear the answer very well. No, that's so a bummer. Yeah, if it happens again, I'll just hang up and listen to the radio show. But um, okay, I'm I'm uh, 
doing a study on the Version Bible app on Revelation, and it was talking about in chapters 1 and 2 when they were ta- uh, reading about the, uh, or 2 and 3, uh, reading about the letters to the seven churches, and he right. was explaining how they would be like symbols for the history of church age. Um, right. Uh, I just kind of was looking for a little bit more detail on your, your take of it and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, I think yeah, what I and, got from Nick Cady yesterday was mainly that it's more of a literal thing in the Bible, but like I said, I just didn't get the, the whole picture yesterday. So, Well, I think chapters 2 and 3 in the book of Revelation are two of the richest chapters in this book. Um, oftentimes they get missed and they get skipped because, you know, everybody wants to get to the good part. They want to get to, you know, the the seals, the... Um, you know, the trumpet judgments, the bold judgments, the second coming, which is all interesting. But I have found chapters 2 and 3 to be very, very rich and important for us to understand because we know that in chapter 1, he gives us the theme of the book of Revelation in chapter 1, verse 19, that John write the things which you have seen, second of all, the things which are, and then the things that will take place after this. That is the outline. So Revelation gives its own outline. Write the things which you have seen, that's chapter 1. And then the things which are, that's chapters 2 and 3, the church age. And then the things that will take place after this. And that is chapters 4 to the end of the book. So in chapter 2, as as we know that John has seen Jesus, the glorified Jesus, he's standing in the midst of seven golden lampstands, and they are literal churches and then Jesus turns to each church. These churches are in Proconsular Asia, which today is Turkey. These are seven churches that existed literally in the first century, they, and they had these characteristics. So he commends them, you know, on the things they were doing well, and then he, you know, corrects them or rebukes them on the things that they needed to repent from. And then there's a general promise for those who overcome um, at the end of the letter. So Jesus writing to these letters. Now, here's the application. It's to the literal churches, and I think perhaps maybe that's what Nick was talking about. There are literal churches oh. that were in the first century that had these characteristics. But also, it is, you know, as you look at these churches, I think that as, as you know, for example, Calvary Chapel Greeley we're probably going to fit into one of these seven churches, the characteristics that we have. So we can learn so much. What is our church like? You know, I want to be the Church of Philadelphia. I want to be the faithful church. Um, but you can you can look at churches, their characteristics, and usually they will fall into one of these seven churches that have similar characteristics. And furthermore, we can look at it and say for application for us individually— that there's, you know, Ephesian Christians, there's those Smyrta that's being persecuted Christians, you know, Pergamus Christians. We can look at the characteristics of Christians, and usually they will fall into one of these um, seven churches or seven messages that are given to them. So there's definitely application that is to be made there. And then the fourth application that many Bible teachers and commentators and scholars suggest that they represent seven eras of church history from the time of the apostolic, you know, church. It is the church of Ephesus all the way to the end, which would be the church of Laodicea. 
and and that seven periods of church history are represented here. And the last one being the Church of Laodicea, which was what? The lukewarm church? The church that like entertainment? You know, I look at that and I think it's interesting what we see today in the church, that there's, you know, more of a move to entertain, uh, lukewarmness, and, and all of this. So there are those who say that it does represent seven eras of church history, beginning with apostolic up into, you know, the rapture of the church, um, and um, that we're in the last era of church history, that is the Church of Laodicea, which Jesus had nothing good to say about them. But here's the thing. He has this remnant of people in every one of these churches that he gives a promise to. God's still working, um, and there are churches that are really loving the Lord and loving the Word of God, but it's talking about a general, you know, the church at large, uh, what's going on. And what I see in the church today, uh, you know, I'll just say this, Dalton, I get very concerned what I see in the church today and the trends in the church today and a drifting away from the Word of God and from the truth of God's Word and more towards entertainment or, you know, social kinds of agendas or whatever those things may be, compromising the Word of God. In the Church of Laodicea, he says, listen, that because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you're rich, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And um, and he talks about being refined, and the church needs to be refined today. Right, and I, so the, basically the way I understand it is just that it's a very versatile way you could take it. Um, obviously, the, it's literal. Um, yeah, it is. With the, the church, but I just thought it was interesting that he was saying that uh, he was basically— the, the commentator that I was listening to on my Bible app was basically saying the whole church era thing. And, you know, yeah. like you said, it, like today is, is very, it, it's kind of it's weird how, how it, you could see the similarities in that. Um, yeah. Uh, how it is lukewarm here. And, and like you yeah. said, I kind of thought in myself and, you know, it kind of made me want to, uh, I don't know, care more, because the way he uh, explained this era is just that uh, this era is kind of doesn't, is kind of careless of of what it is. It's like, um, you believe this way, and you believe that way, but uh, if it doesn't work for that particular person, then it doesn't work, And rather than being all on fire for God and trying to really get people to see that, you know, Jesus is the truth, uh, yeah. the way it's yeah. in life. You know, and, and and there's such important messages in these seven churches here, Dalton, that, you know, for me, uh, I remember years and years and years ago, uh, 30 years ago, when I read the church of Ephesus, um, that it really spoke to me. And that's why I think that the personal application is so important that I was one, that I was working. I was, you know, I was trying to do good. I was trying to please God. But he says, I have this against you. You've left your first love. He didn't say you lost it, but you left your first love. And there may be some that are out there, even listening right now, that you're trying to do your best. You, you know, you're working for the Lord. This was the church, the church of Ephesus, that was doing that literally in the first century. That was their characteristics. But they left their first love. And he says, remember from which you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. And And that spoke to me so much. It's like, you know, I've left my first love. I haven't lost it. I've just, God's love, uh, my love for him has grown cold and distant, and I need to go back and remember what it was like when I first got saved. 
and, and then turn and go back and remain there. And, um, and it really spoke to me. So these things are given to us to not only describe those churches, but, you know, to speak to us as well. Well, cool. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Um, I was just curious. I thought it was an interesting idea. Um, and I think Revelations is just uh, super interesting in general. So uh, I did it is. that you were uh, about to do a series on it um, or right. the study go through the Bible here in January. So uh, yeah. since I and, live kind of close, I might actually attend it. So, Well, we'd love to see it come out. We're easy to find, so check us out. We're going to be starting that on the 9th of January and Wednesday night. And, you know, adult and a lot of people haven't gone through the book of Revelation. And um, there is somebody that came, and I don't say this to be critical or anything, but they go to a large church, Christian church, and ask their pastor, you know, will we ever do a study in Revelation? And he said, no, I wasn't taught that. We'll never do a study in Revelation. You can't do it. You can't understand it, in other words. And I thought, how sad, because the book of Revelation is for us to understand and there's a special blessing that is attached to the book of Revelation. And here's the thing, Dalton, to always remember, as you're going through the book of Revelation, whether you're doing your own study, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that is that he's revealed to us more. And if we miss that, if we just get our charts out, you know, and argue theology and and all of this stuff, and, you know, we can do that, and we're going to look at some of that. But it's to reveal Jesus to us. And if we miss that priority, then we miss the purpose of the book of Revelation. And that's what the word reveal means, to reveal Jesus more. So that's a good way to end the show. Thanks. Appreciate it, Dalton. Appreciate appreciate everybody. You bet. Have a good evening. Hope to see you come out to our study. Everybody have a good evening. God bless you. Thanks for being a part of the show today. been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.